The first question is the toughest. In and out or five guys? Ooh, wow. Starting off with the heavy hitters. This is as bad as it gets. Oh, um, I would say five guys. Wow, okay. Yeah. Now, although I like John 316 on my cup, that's great. I think that's awesome. But man, that hamburger from five guys, you can't beat. It's it's a heavy it's a heavy burger. Although animal animal style fries is something to be talked about. I haven't shared my opinion on it yet, but I think Five Guys is probably a better burger. But I will go to In and Out more often. Yeah. Because Five Guys is a real commitment. You're hurting yourself when you go to when you go to Five Guys. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh, the fries too. My goodness. A sack. There's there's no modesty with that one. You're just no. all in. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. Sin You're just boldly, going in. Yeah, as Martin right. Luther would say. <laughs> Sin <Right>. boldly. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. Welcome to 10 Questions with 10 Pastors. Brought to you by Gateway Seminary. With your host, Tyler Sanders. I'm Tyler Sanders, Director of Communications at Gateway Seminary, and I'm here with Josh Sefko who is senior pastor of Flat Creek Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Georgia. That's right. Uh, uh, Demon alum in 2016. Did your studying in Mill Valley. You did your graduating in Ontario. Yeah? Yep. That's great. Nailed it. And what, um, how long have you been at your church? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. A good four and a half years? It's been a great four and a half years. It really has been. That's fantastic. Well, my first real question here is, what are you reading right now? Ooh, I just finished a book my wife and I did on parenting by Paul David Tripp, 14 Gospel Principles for Parenting, and it ate our lunch. Did it? Oh, the second chapter, we were both weeping. And then, God, we need your grace in parenting, (laughs) and we're thankful that you give grace in parenting. Yeah, Yeah. it's a great book, Paul David Tripp. How many kids do you have? We have two girls, eight and ten. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about preaching a little bit. When you are approaching kind of the— top-down level, how do you approach, like, planning out a sermon series, or are you thinking, like, a year ahead? How far ahead are you looking? Yeah, I look out a year in advance in July time frame. Mm. I go away. I start thinking about it. I take notes, and I, I keep an Evernote open on my computer, and through the year, I just hear, I journal, I work in conversations that we have as a church family, and I just tag those things. And so when I go away in July— I kind of look at conversations I've had through the past year hmm. and seeing, okay, oh, wow, I've, a lot of time was spent on marriage and family. Right. A lot of time has been spent on apologetics. I did a whole apologetics series in August when worldviews collide mm. um, and just worked through that because I had a season of conversations about, hey, folks are continuing to come to my door. What do I say? Yeah. And so we just kind of look at the rhythm of our conversations through, through my Evernote, and I just build a sermon series off of that. But I always try to leave. I think one of the healthiest diets for a church, though, is expository preaching. Mm. So I, every fall, I work through a book. Uh, so this fall, we're working through the book of Judges, through conversations wow. I had from the previous year of a heavy okay. political year. And yeah. I thought everyone doing right in their own eyes. And we, we kind of have that vibe in our country right now. Yeah. And so just what does the Bible say about these matters? And so we're going to work through Judges this fall. And I'm uh, just kind of get in the heavy water there, I guess. But yeah. uh, so when I look at a year in advance, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to do a book study in the fall and, this, and, this, and kicking off the new year. I've been preaching through the book of Acts just in January. 
Okay. And so... And you pick up like... I pick up where I left off the previous year. I don't think people have... I rebranded, if you will, but we're just working our way through Acts. Yeah. Most people, I don't even know if they've realized that yet in four and a half years. Uh, but and every February, I do a stewardship focus, mm. talk about biblical stewardship and what is that. And then March to Easter, I'm in an Easter series. Sure. So this year, I know for 2022, I'm doing the seven sayings for Christ. We're going all, mm. all the way. There's seven Sundays there. Yeah. And then from, from there, I pick a, right now I'm in the summer in Psalms. Okay. And, but this, all this is from a previous year, though. Right. Right. Which may be a little bit unique for some other guys. And you'll be planning that out this for July. next year coming up in a few weeks probably, mm-hmm. yeah? Yep. I'll go wow. away. I get away at just time intense prayer and focus and look at my notes and just ask God, what does he have for our church? And it's all subject to change. Yeah, sure. I mean, if there's certain things that came up, like uh, critical race theory, for an example, is one of mm. those things that became really... Uh, yeah, really just present. Like, uh, yeah, really present became in, uh, something that our church family is talking a lot about. So I brought a leading expert in to just dialogue about that and share what that is. What's the Bible say about yeah, it? Yeah. I found that I don't have to be the expert to everything. I can call friends. They can speak to sure, it. Sure, yeah. And that has resonated really well with our church mm, body. Mm. Now, on like a week-to-week basis, how do you get from—so you've got your plan— how do you do like a, the weekly preparation of a, a, how do you get from text to sermon, I guess? Yeah, well, I look at what Tyler Sanders preached the week before, <laughs> and then I bring it to the pulpit next week. No, uh, from week to week, I, I try to pick a unit of scripture, mm. and uh, I try to, and I think a lot of guys, this would be a really helpful discussion too, because I've just called and interviewed guys on my own, is how mm. do they map out their week in preparation for that? Yeah. And that has been the hardest challenge for me personally because I want to get in a consistent thing. So I do the old thing with mornings are for God, afternoon is for administration and church life and the mm-hmm. evening. So I spend my mornings prepping that sermon. So I pick a unit and I start to work through that. I want to kind of get in the rhythm of what was going on to the original hearers. Yeah, I want to kind of feel the sandals they wore, smell the dirt that they were. Yeah. I mean, I want to live in that community that when they were hearing this for the first time and they were, the Spirit was prompting them to write these things, that I was mm-hmm. in that world. And then I start to build a bridge to make it applicable, if you will, yeah. Yeah. Uh, into the 21st century here. Yeah. Of course, I have Impact Preaching nearby by Jim Wilson course, and other yeah. Gateway authors yeah. uh, that helped me form the W that, uh, and, and there's a lot in that with trying to find the genre that it was written in as well. Mm. I think that's so important. If we're in parables, there's a one point to that. It's not three points in a poem. I'm trying to find sure, the one right, point. Right. So genre will dictate how I'll preach that. Yeah. I feel the mood of the text. Yeah. If it's uh, this past week, I preached on Psalm 51. There wasn't a lot of joking. I mean, David is broken right. before the Lord. He's crushed right. by the weight of his sin. Yeah. And so to get in the rhythm of that, and to feel the weight of that, what the text has given us, I, I think that is true expository preaching. When yeah. your moods and actions are reflecting even what's taking place in yeah. the text, boy, you are preaching yeah. biblical stuff. That right really there. drives the whole form. Yeah. It's text driven. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is the most difficult passage you've preached? I preached a sermon, and the title was. Adam's rib or women's lib? And wow. that one right there was intense. That's a tough, yeah. Because it talked about the, the, the biblical role of women yeah. in the church. And, and I think there's a lot of freedom with women in ministry. But when I looked at the text in 1 Timothy, mm. I think the senior pastor in Paul's mind is that is a male role. 
And I know some of the hearers may disagree with that, but I, that's when my mind, I think he goes back to a pattern of creation with Adam and Eve. And so that's where I kind of, I probably felt a little bit of attention on that. I kind of can recall the sermon title. Um, but also the other one that got me in the most trouble when that Worldviews Collide series was what's the difference between Christianity and Roman Catholicism? Here was the whole premise. Are they our greatest co-laborers in Christ or the greatest mission field on the planet? Oh, wow. So that one just got me in trouble. There ain't no yes. way around that one. <laughs> um, but I thought, again, the previous year, that was a conversation our yeah. church was having. Yeah. Is I have family members and friends who are Roman Catholics, yeah. but they're talking about Mary ascending. They're talking about Mary right. being sinless. Right. When you look at the dogmas of what they're talking about in the Eucharist, and if it's not from a pure priest, it's impure. Mm. Well, well, and then they're crucifying Jesus three times a day. What Hebrews has a lot to say about this. Yeah. So that was the whole just a sermon, and I again, I that was probably one of the toughest as well. Well, um, as a pastor, you have several roles, responsibilities. Which one do you feel like is a sweet spot for you? And what's one that maybe is a little, maybe it's a tougher spot or you're not as comfortable in or yeah. something that's kind of a growing edge? I am a shepherd okay. and I am a pastoral, pastoral care guy. Mm. I love, uh, one of the greatest ministries I have in the church is every day I send, a, I send five letters out to our church family. Five different individuals receive a letter from me saying, I'm praying for you in a week on this date. Mm. So in a week from now, I'm praying for you on this date. How can I pray specifically for you? Mm. And that's opened up the doors and communication with our church family to say, here's how you can pray for me. Yeah. But then I follow it up with a handwritten card of how I prayed for that need. Um, Things like that, that have opened up the doors of communication. I mean, I've had church members been there for 30, 40 years. I'm in a 194-year-old church, no members that old. But, wow. but 30, 40 years saying, I've never had a pastor ask me that directly mm. of how can I pray specifically for you? Yeah. And to walk with them and encourage them to see. And I write little fun things on the card too that show our personalities and our friendship and banter yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Cavs fan, so if I was in your neck of the woods, I'd be picking on the Lakers sure. really hard right now yeah. for stealing LeBron. <laughs> but, I mean, I create that kind of chemistry with our church family, mm. and that has just shown I care about them. I love them. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to be as pastors, too. We need to love our sheep well, and we need to lead them well. We need to be with them. Uh, so I'm a shepherd at heart. I want to walk with you. I'm a cheerleader. I'm an exhorter. So I'm the guy you want on yeah. a bad day. I'm, I'm going to cheer for you, yeah, and I'm going to yeah. be behind you. Hardest thing in the world, though, too, is admin. I'm not an mm. admin person. Mm. Uh, I, the church has picked that up, too. I have a business administrator, and I have a secretary, and I'm just terrible with details. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's my weak spot, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if you asked me for my weak spot. I'm just going to tell your listeners that, that the admin eats my lunch. I did, and uh, the next question could be related to that. Take it as seriously as, as you prefer. What's a swing and a miss you've had in ministry? Oh, you know, I thought everybody would have the same sensitivity to the movie taste I would. So when we had a church a movie night, my first, my first pastorate, I played a knight's tale. And I forgot about a whole scene where he gambled away all of his clothes and he's standing there stark naked in front of our church family. Oh, man. And I thought... I'm going to get fired. Oh, yeah. This is it. <laughs> so after the movie I got, I was like, I repent. I'm sorry. 
I'll never use Hollywood again. Like, and so I learned quickly my 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 movie preferences won't yeah. be everybody's movie preferences. Yeah. That was a huge swing and a miss. Yeah. Always view the film, no matter how good your memory may yeah. be. Gotta watch it again. Gotta watch it again. <laughs> Check out Plugged In too. Yeah, right. Help you out. Yeah. What do you think? What's something you cannot learn in seminary? You really only get it in ministry. Well, outside of a COVID world, I mean, no one prepares us for a COVID thing. Mm. But, but that's what it. I can't. People can't teach you to love people well. Mm. I mean, they can teach you how to prepare a sermon. They can teach you how to work through texts. But no seminary, no school can teach you to genuinely love and walk with people well. Yeah. Uh, they maybe give you a few little tools, but the genuine part of you really has to care for the soul. Yeah, right. And I've told, I was a minister of education for a while. I said, look, I can teach you how to be a great teacher, but I can't teach you to love people well. The only qualification I have for teachers is that they would love people well. Because yeah. we can teach you the rest. We can give you the curriculum. We can walk with you on these things. But if you don't love your class well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really can't help that. You can't yeah. teach that. That's right. something that God has put in us as shepherds for the flock. Yeah. That, that I think that comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you can teach them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. The flip of that. What do you think is something that every student, if they get one thing out of seminary, what's that one thing? There has been... A couple things that, but I'm going to nail it down just to one thing. Mm. Not only just learn academics from the professor, but get around them and spend mm. time with them. The most, most life-shaping thing that ever took place in my seminary days was being around the professors. Mm. Because I got to see, oh, okay, yeah, you taught that, but now that's how you do it. Yeah. So we use the phrase, it's, caught, it's not taught, it's caught, that kind of thing, but it's both. And because I was, I came from an atheistic background. Hmm. My parents, I don't have a long line of Baptist preachers. I'm a first generation Christian. And so I was so hungry for everything that I was hearing this for the first time outside of the local church, but I had a great local church growing up. But then I had professors now that were mentors and just pouring into me. And I was thinking, this is game changer. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, what's the one thing you can do? Find a mentor and a professor and let mm. them just help mold you and shape you and speak the hard things in your life, things that they see in you that you don't see. Lean into that. Trust that God's put them in your life to help you and grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Yeah. So, Who was that person for you? It, it, uh, did you have that in your D-Men program? I did. Like? Jim Wilson. Yeah. Dr. Jim Wilson. Oh, man. I, I can remember the day he even said it, that words are sacred. I remember mm. it just seared into my mind and my heart because that's a guy who not just says that, he really believes that. Yeah. I mean, his words are so carefully chosen. Yeah. Even when he preaches, it comes out of him. Like, you know, each word he's using, like he's prayed over that. Yeah. And he's coming at you, and he really believes in the, what he's prepared for and studied in. And I just, I, it, it feels a, a fire in my soul uh, that I just, uh, I'll, I'll never be able to thank him enough for mentoring. And I just had him out to the church and preach for me two weeks ago. Oh, really? 
And I'm so grateful to God for Dr. Wilson. What did you do your, uh, what was your uh, project, your demon project on? My project was on affinity groups. I, I try to use affinity groups to reach millennials in our area, which our community in Fayette County, Georgia, is the number one county losing millennials, not just in the state of Georgia, but in the entire nation. Really? And so we have a millennial problem. That's what Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A mm. has created Pinewood Studios, which is Trillith Studios now, where they film Marvel films and they tried to, to bring back millennials because there was just an exodus of the next generation. It's kind wow. of the bedroom community. If, you, if you're 55, you're 60 years old, you kind of go there to retire. Yeah. And so now we're in this transition. And so I wanted to know how can the church capture and reach millennials with a gospel in a, in a tough area to try to reach millennials. Yeah. But it's also a pretty diverse moving target now with the movies. And I mean, yeah. uh, Walking Dead is filmed 15 minutes from our church. They've used our church. I mean, wow. it's, we have now movies coming in. We yeah, used to be a rural, Yeah, we used to be a rural community. Yeah. But now it's a movie production community. It's really wow. unique. That's fascinating. Yeah. What is, uh, if you could, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, maybe like your first year as a pastor, what would you say to yourself? Don't play a night's tale. Don't, yeah. Number one, steer away from that. <laughs> uh, that would definitely be it. And I would say, um, relax. Hmm. Um, enjoy. I took it so seriously and it came out in my preaching mm. um, that people want... They want to know their pastor's heart, too. Yeah. And I just took it really, really seriously that every detail would be there, too, and that nothing would be left out, but people can't absorb all that stuff, too. And so they need some handles along the way to try to make it um, a, a, just a, a, an applicable situation. Yeah. Uh, where I was just so heavy on expository and exegeting that I think coming out of seminary, yeah. I acted like a seminary student. And I was like, everybody's getting Greek 101. <laughs> everybody's getting their Hebrew lesson today. And I think if I had just relaxed mm. and just trusted in the Holy Spirit of God, yeah. do all the study and do all the prep, but not everything in the prep room needs to come out into the pulpit. Right. Uh, some key points do. The handles of the text definitely knew. That's, that's the whole point. I can never do better than the text, right? right? The text is the point. Yeah. But it's just trusting in the Holy Spirit. It's his work. It's yeah. not mine. It's not dependent off our personalities. It's dependent on his authority and his word. Yeah. I would just rest there. Yeah. I think sometimes we, coming out of the gate, we have to, we put the pressure on ourselves. It's off my personality. That's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. And so I would just say, hey, chill out, boy. I like yeah. to just rest. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. I got one more question for you, if you, if you don't mind. Would you tell us how you met Jesus? You, you, you mentioned a, a detail earlier, but could you tell us about that? Absolutely. So I grew up in an atheistic home. My dad was a card-carrying atheist. I was a football player. I was a quarterback of a football team. And our coach was a Baptist preacher. And his son was our wide receiver. My parents were uh, in the middle of a messy divorce. And I was throwing the football with them. And I said, man, I had a friend, Daniela McElveen, lost her mother to leukemia, and it's caused all kinds of questions. First time I watched a friend grieve, mm. and saying like, she's not coming back. Yeah. Like, why are we here? What is the purpose of having all of this? Mm. And he walked me through what he called the Roman road at that time, and I didn't know what road we were going down, but man, my mom was into different kind of things spiritually, 
My dad was into nothing spiritually. When he got to a place where he told me that God demonstrated his love for me, that yet while I was a sinner, Christ died for me, I was like, ah, the Spirit just touched my heart. And I said, I'm looking for that. Yeah. I want him. And he led me to Christ that day, and my home became my mission field. Mm. And so on April 15, 2006, my father bowed his knee to Jesus Christ. Really? And check this out. God restored my parents' marriage. My mom got her light with, rifle right with Christ. God has redeemed the entire situation. I begged my dad as an atheist. And just, my dad was a bar DJ too. This is crazy. This is April, not April. This is 2005 Christmas. Okay. 2005 Christmas. My dad was a bar DJ. I got him the new Jay-Z album. He got me a new English Standard Version Bible. All right? <laughs> so I was like, look, here's the Jay-Z album. You got me a Bible. Read the Gospel of John. I'm yeah. giving you three months to read the Gospel of John. I'll come back in April and ask you if you read the Gospel of John. Yeah. At the end of the Gospel of John, in my Bible, I can tell you what it says. At the very last chapter, he said, Joshua, thanks for never giving up on me. A new day. Dad, I love you. And he wrote the day of his salvation. Wow. Is that not the coolest thing that our God can do anything? Yeah. He can save the person that is just the most lost guy you could ever think of. Three affairs, broken marriage, but because Christ is out of the grave, if he can resurrect his son, he can resurrect a dead marriage. I watch him do it with my own eyes. Yeah. And it was awesome. That's so we amazing. testify of God's grace in that way. Yeah. And man, God saved me. He saved my mom. He saved my dad. And it's just a redemption story, man. Wow. That's an incredible story. Well, thanks incredible. for the honor of being able to, to share it on this platform. Well, thank you for sharing with us. We really appreciate it. I just love this school. love what God is doing through Gateway. I just, can I just add this one of little course, thing? Of I was in a situation where I could choose any school. I was really blessed with a church family that said, we want you to go get educated, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Where do you want to go? I chose Gateway Seminary. I chose Gateway Seminary because the professors are also practitioners. Mm. They're not just a bunch of brains, they have great brains, but they're actually doing the work of the ministry too. And I wanted to learn from guys who are practically doing the work, who are shepherding people, who are loving on people, who understand what leading a church is like, but they also understand the commitment to excellence in the scriptures. And they also know what it's like to be the, the minority is the majority situation when right. it comes to demographics. Right, yeah. And I love that. I think Gateway's the best seminary we have in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I'd recommend anybody to go to it to change my life. Well, thank you for saying that. Absolutely. We I love the place. It. Thank you.